I'm disappointed that I think there should have been more in the choir. Some of you are holding back. Yeah, I'm not a choir person. You don't want me in the choir. It would not sound right. It would be called make a joyful noise, and then it would be bad. Yeah, so. Looking forward to this morning. And I want to try to do this morning. There's times that I know that I come on a Sunday morning and I get a little animated and a little excited. So I've been thinking this morning as I've been just going through the season, as Harry has talked about, listening to different people, realizing that 2017 is over. So as we gather here at the end of 2017, there's always the temptation to say, wow, that went really fast. But what I keep thinking about is, is not how fast as it went, it's how much has Jesus changed you in 2017. You know, as we live in an age, you know, where then you had a tent, you looked for food, water, shelter, clothing. Now you're looking for public Wi-Fi, Starbucks, internet, food, shelter, and water. Those things are optional. And you know what's interesting is, it's kind of funny just to kind of giggle at it, but it's kind of sad because we used to know what it was like to go find firewood. We used to know what it was like just to take a tent and you went camping. There was some work involved in camping. Now people don't do anything outside of what's convenient. I'll go buy my firewood. If I go camping, I need to have electricity and Wi-Fi. And Some people even take their TVs and Xboxes inside their tent. Some people take their air conditioning. I'm not against all that stuff. You know what's interesting is? It has made our society very easy, friendly society. You know what's happened? It's infiltrated the church. We now live in a generation that we really don't want us to talk about this. How has the gospel affected your life this year? Think about it. I realize that, that, you know, as you are sitting here, note to self, worry will never change the outcome. But how many of us have worried more this year than we did last year? How many of our lives are spinning so much faster in that category because we haven't said, you know, Lord, I want the gospel to work in me today. I don't want to live like that anymore. You've commanded me not to do this. You know what's interesting? The more I talk to people, biblical commands and the word of God are optional. It's scary. When I sit down with people and say, this is what the Word of God says, people will say back to me, well, that's repulsive. I don't want to do it. That's the society that we live in. Or as you think about how the gospel has affected you this year, I'm so stressed out over being stressed out that I can't even remember why I'm stressed out and it's stressing me out. I don't want to make light of our circumstances because I recognize this morning you walk into the facility and it's church. You always sit in the same spot. That's pretty interesting to me. 
So some of you have had an incredible 2017. Life has just been good. Your, your children and your grandchildren said thank you. I mean, that's huge these days. And there's other people in this room that walk in here. 2017's been hard. And so now we're getting ready to go into 2018. And I'm not against you making your New Year's resolutions. Go for it, if you have a purpose to keep them. But you want to really be cool? That all of us would say, okay, Lord, we don't want to look the same in 2018 when it comes to the end, the way we looked in 2017, spiritually. You know what's interesting? I'm not talking to you about how much Bible that you know. One of my responsibilities or encouragement is, is will you allow the Bible that you know to affect how you live today? The Bible, this book, will change your life. But you have to read it. You have to open it. And I know that some of you, when you were in school and you were supposed to take a test, and you believed that if you would sleep on your, bo- on your book, that that would somehow get into your brain, and you would be ready for your exam the next day, right? None of, I mean, you probably tried it. It didn't probably work out very well. But you know what's interesting? I believe that we live our lives because we haven't inputted the Word of God into our life. And so this morning, I'm going to kind of do two things. One is, I want to make sure all of us sitting in this room are very clear about what the gospel is, okay? That's one thing that I want to do this morning. The other thing that I want you to think about this morning and say to you this morning is, this place called BFC Family is not a social club. We don't exist for you to come here and feel good. That's not why we exist. We exist for you to come and find your place and be welcome as a family. We don't want to be a church. We want to be a family. Come join our family. Enjoy the coffee and donuts. Enjoy where you sit. Enjoy your friends. But we want you to come face to face with reality that the cross is the only way to heaven. And we also want you to come reality is, is we don't want you to be spiritually weak, immature, quote-unquote, Jesus followers. And in saying that, I realize that that's going to take the Word of God and it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. Because I know something. None of you like to be told what to do. I don't like it. I don't want Seth or Susan or or Rachel to say to me, I told you so, or you should have done it this way. I don't like it. I don't high-five them and say, yeah, thanks, son. I really appreciate that. But I know something. You're empty today unless you spent time with Jesus this morning. You don't have hope this morning if you don't know who your father is. I was listening to Ryan the other night at the, the candlelight. And he talked about the church age. And he talked about we all want Jesus to be certain things. And what I want Jesus to be for me is the commander in chief. That's what I want. I belong to you. You paid the price for me. I'm not my... And there are times that I step in and say, okay, yeah, I kind of want to rule my life today. I think this is best, Jesus, so just kind of step over a little bit and let me go down this road. 
And that's true of all of us sitting in this room. We've all done that. But is he your commander-in-chief this morning? And not just in the song time. Not just in the prayer time. And not just when life is good, when 2017 is awesome. So I want to take you to Psalm 62. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that will give you kind of briefly some characteristics of your God. An opportunity for you to be reminded this morning of, of who He is. And when you come to Psalm 62, as I was asking myself this week, why did, why did David write the psalm? What's it there for? What was going on in David's world for us to have Psalm 62? There had to be circumstances and situations. And so God allowed the circumstances and the situations to affect David's life. And now you get a chance to read Psalm 62. So some of the circumstances, this psalm reflects David's confident trust in the Lord in spite of his opposition. In silence he waited for God. His strength and his security deliver him from this deceitful enemies, the psalm contrasts the security of trusting God with insecurity of relying on human devices. That's what Walford and Duck say. He's looking at Holman's concise commentary. It says, trust in God and Him alone. He is like a fortress in that He protects against all those who are hostile. People will fail. Humans are... Are, are people that are not trustworthy. But will you trust your, Will you trust your God? I guess you could maybe say it from these three perspectives. If you look at Psalm 62, and I'm not going to do all of Psalm 62 this morning. I'll look at verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 5 and go down from there. But Psalm 62, as I read some of it, is your soul can find rest in God. God alone is David's rock. And you can trust Him. It's very important for us as we navigate day to day to remind us of the power of our God. I don't know if you've stopped and thought about when Moses is leaving Egypt and he opens the water and the nation walks through and how many millions of people that was. But in a society where things are fast and easy and convenient, pausing and say, okay, God, I want to think about your power. I want to be reminded of who my Father is. So this morning as I think about the, the power of my God, I want you just to think the first thing as you look at it is that your soul can find rest in Him. Now this morning we are going to do something a little bit different as well. We're going to have some worship at the end. So I'm not going to be able to go through all the passages of Scripture that I'm going to put on the screen because I want to leave time for worship at the end. Now this is the fifth Sunday, and most of the times on the fifth Sunday we do worship in the beginning, and then I'll share, and then worship at the end, just to kind of change it up a little bit. So I won't be able to put, go through everything, but just some things for you to think about. And I realize that some of you are in here have incredible grasps of Scripture, and you can go a lot of different places to, to remind yourself that your soul can find rest in God. But I want to start with Psalm 62, and I want you to look at the first verse of Psalm 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. Just pause there in that verse. 
and remind yourself there are a lot of other places that you, can, that you think you can go to find rest. But true rest only comes from God alone. And so this morning, I would like just you to spend some time. I can't do it this morning, but this afternoon. Spend some time and remind yourself of Psalm 8 and Psalm 9. O Lord, our Lord, is, is Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's my father this morning. Remind yourself in Colossians chapter 1 that your God is the sustainer this morning. That the earth is spinning as fast as He wants it to this morning. That your heart is beating because He chooses it for it to beat. Your mind is saying, okay, I think it's probably about time you take another breath now, so go ahead and fill your lungs back up because otherwise you're just going to fall over in your seat. He's sustaining you this morning. He gave you life today. But be very careful as you sit here that you don't say, okay, sustainer, thank you for giving me life today, but I choose to live for me today. You would never do that to your parents. At least I would have never done that to my dad. Hey dad, this is what He asked me to do, no, Dad, I'm going to do this. Because if I did that to my father, there was always consequences when I did something that he did not want me to do. I know you won't do that to your boss this week. So don't do it to the sustainer. Don't do it to the one who said, wait a minute, it's Christmas, and I want to show you that I love you. I'll give you my best gift. Give you my son. Not that he can be the king of kings and the lord of lords so that he could die for you. That's why he gave you. Another psalm is Psalm 103. I love that psalm because it goes back and reminds me of benefits of my God. He is my healer. He has rescued me from the pit. That's who my God is. And so this morning as you're sitting here and I realize that you're busy and I realize that there's a lot of things going on, but I just want you to remind you, not my words, but His words back to you. This is who He is. This is who our God is. Psalm 103. Spend some time thinking about it this afternoon. It's an incredible psalm. John chapter 14. His words to his disciple, very clear, in a very difficult time in ministry. He says to those that are standing there, Do not let your hearts be troubled. John chapter 14, verse 6, because he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus, through him. He says that to his disciples. And then John chapter 15 and verse 16 talks about being a comforter, the spirit of truth, whom the world doesn't receive. So just stop right there. Your soul can find rest in God alone. That's a nice little phrase. But be very careful. 
There's going to be a lot of temptation in 2018 for things that you think will give you rest. And there's going to be things in 2017 that you want for you that you know is biblically wrong. Don't go down those roads. Don't get to the point where the Word of God is repulsive to you because it's true. Welcome the instruction. Speak to me through your Word. Mold me into who I am, who you want me to be. Second thing that I want you to see in this Psalm 62 is drop down to verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. I don't know if you ever did this, but we loved to build forts when we were kids. And my uh, first cousins <coughs> lived next to, uh, they lived a, a, they were, were farm, and they would always plow their fields. And we used to go over to our cousins' plowed fields, and we would build forts. And then we would have whatever we could throw at each other, because we were boys, and it didn't matter what it was, if it was... You know, snow, great. If it was just mud that we rolled up and made it into a ball as hard as we could. And, you know, we'd build our forts and it was on. Or we'd build a, wood, a snow fort or whatever. Whatever we could do to build a fort, it was going to be a war eventually somewhere. Us against them, let's go for it. But you know what's always interesting? My fort always failed. There was always a way either my cousin would come, who was about six foot three, and he would just kick it over. Or he would come around back when I wasn't paying attention and he'd whack me in the back of the head or whatever. I would just, it would, you know, so forts weren't really a whole positive thing to me. But as I think about my God as my fortress, this is what I think. God, I belong to you. You're my. I don't have to worry. Because you're my, there's nobody going to get through the fortress. There will be options for you to run to this year for your choice in your fortunes. Choose wisely. And I guess the thing that really, really affects me more than anything as a pastor is I think about your children and your grandchildren. And if I ever stop thinking about those things, then I will get out of ministry. Because I want to have a heart for you. To say, don't walk down that road because see that little person over there? It will hurt them. And you see the cross that's behind me? He didn't die for your pleasure. He died for your obedience. He didn't die for you to be happy. He died so you would follow. He didn't die for you to enjoy life. He died for you to say, hey, you want to make me your disciple? I'm all in. I'll follow you. You gave your best gift for me. So in return, I want to give back to you. Now, I'm not asking us to not enjoy sunrises and sunsets. I'm not asking us to go out when we go out fishing and we catch a big bass, not to enjoy the time and send pictures to your friends. I'm not asking you that. 
I'm not saying to you you should never buy a new car and enjoy it. I'm not asking that. I'm asking that your heart will grow more towards Jesus than the things of this world. That you ponder as you get older and you think as you get older, not about the bass that you're going to catch, not about the bass that you lost, but about God's word to you. And you meditate on those things. Some verses that I want to put in front of you. Take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God alone is my rock. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. We do not want to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffer in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. The circumstances will happen so that you will learn you cannot rely on yourself. But on God, who raises the dead, He has delivered us such from deadly peril, and we will be delivered, He will deliver us on Him. We are set on hope that we will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then may, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us to answer us in the prayers of many. I realize most of us have not spent time thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and enduring hardships. And for that, I believe as a church family, we have been wrong. Because as I look into your faces, I know your hardships. Some of you. I know the battles that you've been through. And I wish I would have learned 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 25 years ago that those things were designed from God to say, okay, I give in. Uncle, I surrender. I quit. It's not about me. It's about me relying on you. It's about me learning that you are my fortress. And until you have the situations and until your fort fails, you don't realize how bad your fort is. Another one in, in 2 Corinthians, the 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what we have seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is what? It's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. May in 2018, you focus more on what is unseen than what is seen. 
The last one, I won't read it all, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 is another one that you can spend some time with. But I know something this morning that all of your fortresses have failed over your years. There's not one of us that has built a fort that can sustain the circumstances that God will send our way for us to learn to be dependent. For us to learn to say, I surrender. Is there someone in your life that needs to change their fort? Is there a family member that you need to stop praying for about God? Take away these circumstances. Instead, say, God, grab their heart. Send more circumstances, God, until they say, I surrender. The last thing that I want you to see, go back to Psalm 62. And look at verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Verse 6. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my, he is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Say you this morning, trust Him. In all the times. Say, God, here I, here I am. And maybe you need to go outside where nobody can hear you and you need to verbalize, hey, here it is, I'm pouring my heart to you. He knows what you're thinking. Right? There are times that you knew what your children and your grandchildren were thinking, but it was so cool when they would verbalize to you, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's going on in my world. I want, to, I want you to enter into it. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know all this going on in your world. But I'll say this to you. When God seems to be silent, trust me. So this morning as we look at those three things, I brought a card up here to remind myself of this. So I'm giving you a heads up. There will be another day that I will hand you a card. Every single one of you sitting in this facility. I don't know when yet, but it's getting closer. And when I hand you this card, I'm going to ask you one thing. I want you to write out the gospel for me. And this time, I'm going to collect them. Last time, I was too scared to collect them. That's just honest. I'm just being honest. But the next time, I want, to, I want to write it out to you. Because I'm not trying to scare you, and I'm not trying to shame you into asking Jesus for, for forgiveness, to receiving the gift of eternal life. I'm not trying to shame you in that. But we are not a club. And the gospel is a priority of what we want to do. And I want you to know the gospel. I want you to know that he shed his blood for you. 
I want you to know that that three days later he rose again. And then you're not going to have life unless you say, hey, I received this gift. I want you to be part of it. I can talk to you till I'm blue of face about my God. I'm learning more and more about who he is. But you will never enter into that if you don't enter into the first step. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe. Yes, Jesus, I want to accept the best gift that was ever given was a baby that was born in a manger 33 years later. He gave his life. Free. You know what the best gift you can give back to him? A life that says, I surrender. I'm not my own. I don't care what society says. I've been bought with a price. And I choose to follow you. Not just the easy parts, but the hard parts. When he wants to mold your heart, will you give him permission? When he rocks your world, will you fall back on your face and say, I surrender? Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to have some time together as a family today around your word. So, Father, I don't know who knows you here. I don't know who's living in rebellion. I don't know who's mad at you. I don't know who's living in direct disobedience to the word of God, but you know. The Holy Spirit, we need you to to enter into us today. And show us what we need. Somebody needs encouragement. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can encourage. Some in this room need to go in a different direction. So Holy Spirit, help them. Father, you gave us 2018. And I pray that we're not the same ending 2018 spiritually as when we started. And if we are, we need to be on our face and apology before you. And Father, may in 2018, us as a family, that we would focus more on what is unseen than what is seen. Would you give us courage to cling to you as the rock of our life? Would you give us courage to trust you? Would you give us the courage to choose you? Thank you for allowing us to be together. We love you. In your name I pray.